Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. Today in the Heron Co. studio, we are joined by Esra Al-Sharif. Esra is a HR leader in Saudi Arabia and the first female chief HR officer in IKEA Saudi Arabia and Bahrain. This makes Esra the only female C-suite member amongst her peers. Her first managerial role was at the young age of 24, and she now uses this experience to empower youths of today where she enjoys coaching and giving mentorship. If the person who's going through this journey didn't have enough resilience, belief, ambitions, and inner motivation to go through it, I don't think any support external would have made it happen. By design, I am a strong, influential person. By design, I was born being a strong communicator. And the moment I set that intention, everything started coming into place for me. I didn't have to do anything about it, except this can go to each and every woman from this podcast. To me, this is the real reason why I'm here. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. Welcome, Esra. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So great. Great to be here with you today. So thank you for joining us. This series has been fantastic so far. So many uh, different characters, personalities, and I just know we're going to have a great conversation today. So let's kick off with telling everyone exactly who you are. You are a HR leader in Saudi Arabia. You have 13 years experience, and you are also the first female chief HR officer in IKEA Saudi and Bahrain. Uh, how does that even happen, Esra? <laughs> Where did it all begin? Well, I can just tell you, I slept and woke up and that's how it happened. <laughs> I wish that's, it was that easy. Uh, that's how it feels like. Mm. Uh, it feels like that. I mean, it's, as you know, each person has their own story and uh, I have mine. But I can tell you it's been great. It's been a great journey uh, reaching to that. And uh, that's just a start. And mm. it seems as though being a leader has always been within you. Mm. You are an older sister to seven siblings Mm. and uh, to be in that position I'm the eldest as well so I know what that's (laughs) like you feel like you're the manager of the family essentially think that was your first job as a leader right would you say that yeah and I actually always say that to my Mm -hmm. family and um, I didn't acknowledge it until I took my first leadership role and that's I understood that there's a lot of correlation in, in how you take lead uh, because it was not easy uh, uh, becoming that uh, person with all these brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. not knowing that you are leader by design, by being put in that position. And the expectations from the family and the expectations also from them looking up at their sister. So I, I, when I recall back, I, I look back and I see, yes, 100%, that was my first job protecting my brothers or sisters or coaching them or teaching them or uh, uh, advising them or, or mentoring them. So in many different ways, I have been in that role with my family, mm. my brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah, but that's such an important place to start as well. Yeah. And when you're young, you don't realize what these qualities mean and that one day it will lead mm. to you know achieving what you've achieved. But I guess that was your first experience of different personalities, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with you know different tolerances of people. And mm-hmm. I do feel that people management is one of the hardest things nowadays. Would you agree? 100%. Uh, and this is the co- most quality that is, since this is, this is not a quality or a competence, 
intelligence that has just arised. Since this uh, world has been created, leadership is always important. It is something that is extremely essential uh, in whatever uh, situation it should be. And definitely, it's not something that we should overshadow or not look at as an important aspect. It is extremely essential to have a leadership trait to be able to grow. And, and I'm going to mention that because a lot of people think leadership is also about managing people, but it doesn't start from there. That's where it ends. I think it starts from yourself, which is, I call it self-leadership. And the moment that a person knows how to lead themselves, and then they will be able to understand how to lead others. Because from leading self, you have self-awareness. From leading self, you start understanding more about your, about your, your areas of strength, the areas that of opportunities, and then you know how to capitalize on your strength uh, in the way that you lead yourself as you go. Mm-hmm. And that, and from self-awareness, you'll be able to manage uh, others as well. I love that. I love leading yourself first because mm. you're so right. It's the self-discovery. And, mm. and when did that really happen for you? Because, I mean, <laughs> you were young. Were you, what was your goal when you were younger? I mean, did okay. you have a dream of what you wanted to be? Definitely. And that dream, I don't, I'm, I'm not really sure uh, if it's the same one <laughs> that I'm living today because it had changed because of the circumstances that I was put in. So I'm a girl who was uh, who was in an international school in Jeddah. I've done my IGCSEs, my A-levels and O-levels. And then I had a dream to study abroad. That was actually the dream. And I wanted to continue in that. And then, you know, I, I had an understanding that I should take MIT. Back then, it was the thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and it didn't work out for whatever reason. It didn't. And I had to stay in Jeddah and study in one of the Cambridge schools and university and work at the same time. And I did it because I had to pay for my own tuition fees. That was the first thing why I had to, to, to study and work at the same time. And it hit me back then that this could be a start of something different. I was 18 years old back then. My first job was a receptionist in a hospital. I had double shifts and in between I used to go to university. I only had one day mm-hmm. of break, uh, which was Friday. And on that day was the day where I did my assignments and I studied. And this has been my life for four years in my wow. career. The beauty of it, and that's why I say, let everything go and flow mm-hmm. in your life uh, without trying to make so much control of it. The beauty of this is that as I was studying, I realized that I love HR and marketing. And it was in my first year, and it made me decide to take that field. And that happened in my, after a few months from me working, maybe after eight months of me working, I realized that this is my passion, which is people. Mm. I like dealing with people. I like developing people. <laughs> I like coaching people. I like... Uh, I like being there for people. I'm a very people-oriented person. And this is this is what really got me excited. And I took my first role in HR when I was uh, 19 years old. And I made a decision. It was a conscious decision that the moment I graduate, I will take my first managerial role. And I didn't plan for it. I just set an intention. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. It was an intention. And the moment I set that intention, everything started coming into place for me. Everything started... It was like a puzzle that worked its own. I didn't have to do anything about it except take it day by day and work hard 
and uh, kept that as a goal for me. So that's how it started. So it started with me being a receptionist. Wow. Uh, 13 years ago, I was, uh, yeah, I was in that role. And, and what I love, and I think so important for mm. especially the younger generation to listen mm. to right now, mm. um, is the fact that you were a full-time student whilst also mm. full-time or part-time working. I guess you were running double shifts, right? Yeah, I was full-time too. Full-time too. Yeah. Full-time working, full-time. <laughs> I mean, kids nowadays yeah. struggle to focus just on their, their studies. How did yes. you... How did you balance the two? I think uh, it wasn't it wasn't easy, mm. uh, and I think it helped me in so many ways uh, to 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 go through that. You know, I didn't have a work life balance. It was work, and then after work, it was university. Be it attending the university or doing my exams or the assignments, I didn't even have a break or vacation. I had only one week a year mm-hmm. where it was completely. It was a whole public holiday, so I didn't have an academic mm-hmm. uh, year of that time, or I didn't have work. It was it was a public holiday. That was the only time where I really had a break for four years. Uh, other than that, all my vacation consumption was uh, distributed for my studying across the four years. How did I balance it? Honestly, it was just me focusing that I have a destination that I need to reach to. Mm -hmm. There was nothing else that was on my mind. There was nothing else occupying my mind other than that. And when that is what occupies your mind, it just automatically passes by without you even feeling it. Mm -hmm. There was some joy with going through that pressure. And it has helped me a lot because it has built my stamina to be and achieve and have high expectations on myself and and be able to reach whatever that I have reached today. It's because of the stamina that was built from that moment. It wasn't, everything else was a domino effect. This one was different. This was what built me mm. that moment, that, those four years, that, that decision I made when I was 19 years old. Would you say the only person putting, and in a positive way, mm. positive pressure on mm. you was you? Um, Did you have any other outside influences, family, friends, you know, society in no, general? Actually, my family were not with me studying and working at the same time. Mm-hmm. My mom is a medical uh, doctor. She's a pediatric and she's always had a very structured life. So she studied, then she did her, uni- she, she went into university, then she got married uh, and then she brought us when she was 30. And so she always had everything very structured. And to her, the only way of doing it is by studying and then graduating and then working and then getting married. So mm-hmm. that was the, 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 the structure that she expected from me. And I think it was okay mm-hmm. that this was also her vision because that's also the norm within 13 years back. So I didn't have my family uh, support back then because they thought that this is going to fire back at my education mm. and it will not help me in my education. I'm going to forget about my education. The support I had back then was from my aunt. She is the one who told me to actually do it because I had some challenges paying for my tuition fees. And then she told me, how about your work? And that was an odd idea for me about how can I do that at the same time? And she told me, you can do it. So she kept supporting me in terms of giving me motivational uh, push. Mm-hmm. Whenever I felt like I didn't, you know, I, I, I wasn't 
I didn't think I was capable. Mm. That's the thing. I didn't think I was, I didn't know what was my capabilities. I didn't know if I can make it. And so my aunt, she has given me uh, uh, that push. Aside from that, I've had people in my work environment who has supported me and who definitely saw something in me to have supported me even during my education, allowing me to take those breaks to study. Mm. So I cannot forget the leaders that I worked with during that time where they have also spared me some time to do my, edu- my, my studying or my exams and assignments and allow me to have a professional career because I could have been just an assistant. I had my first HR role when I was 19. I became an HR uh, manager in a mid-management level when I was uh, 24. And they all have fulfilled that for me. I didn't do it alone. They have given me the space to do it. Mm. So, yes, I've had that support. I've had later my family support. So along the way, I have proven them mm-hmm. that uh, I can do both. I can, I can perfect both. And I can do a third thing on top of it, even a fourth. Mm-hmm. And I'll still manage mm. and shine. Yeah. And today, they cannot be prouder because they see, they actually talk about it. And they share it as a story. Mm. But, you know, from everything I just told you, if the person who's going through this journey didn't have enough resilience, belief, ambitions, and inner motivation to go through it, I don't think any support external would have made it happen. Mm-hmm. It all works together beautifully. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the self-leadership comes in, isn't it? What we spoke about right at the beginning. 100%. I think it's so important that we discuss the people around you and the people mm. who assisted mm-hmm. uh, in, in helping you become who you are today. Mm. And what you shared was beautiful, that mm. these leaders in your life, mm. I mean, that's a quality in itself as a leader, mm. to be able to share your knowledge mm-hmm. and your thoughts and pass them down mm-hmm. to the next generation, which is exactly what we're doing now. Um, how important is that? for you in the role that you're in today very important and the leaders today in in the organization have took a decision to put a woman in the management and that only shows so much about themselves it only shows so much about their leadership it only shows how much they care about diversity equal opportunities and empowerment Mm. and i really appreciate that and respect that and i've i've gotten support in my career from men more than from women because not because women aren't mm-hmm. uh, don't don't misunderstand me mm-hmm. because it has been a very uh, in the past male dominant mm-hmm. and i have been there in the field for 13 years and there were always male dominant and that and every time i got promoted it was always a male decision and so it's also very important to acknowledge that, be it in my previous roles where I grow or be it in this organization that I'm in today, because they are the ones who made that decision to promote a female from within mm. uh, and, and, and to provide that kind of diversity. So definitely very important in terms of support, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, uh, creating even more of that. And now I play the ambassador role. Um, not only from within my organization. And that's why I'm here today, mm. because I want to continue playing the ambassador role in, in, in promoting equality, diversity, uh, equal opportunities, 
and and an empowerment to all genders not only to females to both genders absolutely and that's exactly what you're doing i mean how important is it though for men to be having these conversations i mean it's great that so many men you know I guess we're going against the grain at the time. Now it's just the norm, I do feel. We've come leaps and bounds over the years. But where do they, where does that start? Does that start educating them in schools? Does that start at home with the parents, mm-hmm. with the family life? What what would do you think? I think I mean, I think this starts it's not one thing. It's a combination of things. So with everything that's happening today, uh and the openness we're in the changes that's happening in 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 the kingdom uh very positive changes this is a huge uh contribution to 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 the change uh i think also in 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 the, in in people's homes so the way that they're raised how they look at their sister how they look at their mother how they look at their wives i think that's also very important to be raised from within the house to look at a woman in a different way and to 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 give her that value regardless of what her role is and then of course the educational system to complement that and so i believe all these three things uh, will have an impact in making that change but i also think there is one more thing mm-hmm. that is very important and i think it comes from within again mm-hmm. i think and maybe that could sound controversial uh, but i think women should not focus so much and put so much stress on that as well because the moment we give it so much stress we magnify something that might not exist i'll tell you for example when i went through my career and i was really young and it was not something it was not a, nobody was a fan to hiring somebody as a full timer in a professional role who's still an undergrad mm-hmm. i didn't do an admin job i was doing a full professional role but i think aside from the support and aside from the um, from from all the external factors that have helped me to put me there a big part of it had to do with me not putting in my mind that this is a showstopper because i never looked at it i never ever had this feeling back then that this will ever be in my way mhm I never believed it. I never saw it, and probably because my mom is a doctor, and she's a, and she's one of the early female doctors in Saudi. So I never really looked at it as a challenge. I never had it in my system, nor in my DNA. I I actually thought of it as an opportunity mm-hmm. because I can stand out. Yeah. And so the moment that we believe as women that uh, nothing will stop our way and we remove those filtrations mm-hmm. let's put it that way let's, we remove them out of our sight and out of our belief i think we will see clearer mm-hmm. and make a difference for sure absolutely it's all about perspective yes. and it is that that actually being a woman a female in the workplace no matter what industry it's an advantage mm-hmm. um and i, I want to take you back because exactly what you just said your first managerial role at the age of 24 yeah. the age of 24 <laughs> i didn't even know my name at the age of 24 um my question for you is yeah. age you know there's such a you're seeing such young people now all over the world mm-hmm. succeeding at such a young young mm-hmm. age do you think that age in the workplace still defines value or do you think there is no 
a spotlight on age anymore as there no, was No, absolutely not. We are talking about Generation Z. Mm-hmm. There is no age. Mm-hmm. I can have a, an 18-year-old uh, teenager at home, can be a millionaire from, you know, digital has made it so much easy. Mm-hmm. And we've had examples of that. We have examples of uh, uh, teenagers who, who dropped school and they became, you know, uh, one of the richest people. And it's, it's because it has nothing to do with age. And the sooner we understand that talent is talent, regardless of what, our, what is the person's age, the, 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 the better it is for us and for our companies, our organizations and our world. Because there is an opportunity and value uh, in every age. It doesn't matter if you're 18, if you're 15. Mm-hmm. I've seen great value coming from 15-year-olds, great entrepreneurial ideas that nobody has ever thought about. And I see that in my field. I've seen great value system and ideas also from 60-year-olds. So it's, it's really, age is just a number. My mom is a pediatric who retired at the age of 60. And then she decided to start her own gelato uh, company. Uh, she went to Italy to a university and to learn. And she started a business in, in gelato. Uh, and, 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 and that is after she retired. And it's completely different than her field. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't really matter what's your age. And with Generation Z, it doesn't matter even more and more. Uh, our role, my generation, who is our, most of them are leaders today, I think they should look at the opportunity that the youth bring mm. on the table. Uh, and, and we should be flexible. We are the ones who should be flexible. It's going to be tougher in terms of finding such talents. It's going to be, there is a talent war everywhere today. And so we have to be very, allow exposure to happen to these uh, youth, allow them to get their entrepreneurial sense outside in the open and expose them and make them achieve those uh, uh, things that they would like to achieve. Mm, Absolutely. I'm I'm completely in agreement with Mm. you. Uh, When you were 24, Mm. I mean, I imagine it was probably very new to people that, you know, someone so young (laughs) is in a managerial role. (laughs) Did did people take you seriously? Did you have a lot? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) What did you experience? What were the challenges you came across? Oh, so many. Mm. Uh, I've struggled with myself. I was confused. Who am I? What am I doing? Who are these people? Why am I managing people who are older than me? How can I gain their respect? Am I good enough? Mm. Do they really see me as, uh, you know, somebody who's deserving? I've had doubts that I'm good enough. And I've had very emotional times where I felt unseen because I was really young. And I had to go back home and go through what I did in my day to make it better Mm -hmm. the next day. And I went through this journey for as long as I remember. And I've made a lot of mistakes in the way I'm managing people. I started with being authoritative because I felt this is how I should be as a manager. I thought, I will walk like a man and I'll speak like a man and I'll sound like a man. I didn't even know my walk anymore because I was resembling a character that wasn't mine because I thought this is a leader. As I said, it was very male dominant. So to me, a leader is how a male would walk Mm -hmm. or talk Mm. or sound 
or even have a facial expression. And so I, I imitated that. And consciously, it wasn't something, a conscious decision that I did. It was, it was unconscious that I should be doing that. And that took away from me as well, my authenticity, mm-hmm. the, the, the who Isra is. Uh, and it made people repel from me. I was no longer influential. I was, and I was thinking, how is it that they're not seeing the good side that I'm trying to be really supportive to them? How, mm-hmm. how can they not see that I'm being a great leader? Person one does that. Person two does that. I'm doing even better job than them. Mm-hmm. How can they not see? And I, there was a lot of, you know, self-blame. A lot of, you know, going back and thinking that maybe I'm not good enough. I've had my doubts. Mm-hmm. And until in 2018, um, where I kept going back and forth, definitely there was improvement. And this was my self-leadership and self-awareness. So things that people usually go do, do in years, because I've done it in a such accelerated matter, I had to sprint, not run. Mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of sprinting to understand myself quickly and to really go back and forth and see what I can do because I'm stuck between knowing myself, learning, self-awareness, and knowing how to deal with people and lead people and lead different stakeholders. I didn't have a breather mm-hmm. in my career. I've gone through the journey so fast that... While it is amazing from one side, but there is that internal struggle about who I am as a leader mm. and who, who do I want to be. And then in 2018, in one of the companies I worked for, there was, I was uh, considered as one of the high performers within the group of people. And there was like special training that was done for them. And there was this amazing coach, executive coach, that did an assessment. And that was a turning point for me. An assessment that shows the true self, not the regular assessment of what your strength and weaknesses and so on. No, no. I've done so many of those. Great. But wasn't that impactful as that assessment. And it was very heartbreaking for me. It was astonishing. It was an eye-opener because the assessment spoke about my essence from within. It was such a strong assessment that I couldn't... I couldn't have I couldn't relate with myself in my own until I've seen that assessment where it had helped me to see the things that I couldn't say to myself. And that moment was the moment of change for me to become the leader that I'm comfortable being in. Mm. I have changed my walk. <laughs> You're walking like you now, I'm right? I'm walking okay. like me. Very clumsy, by the way. <laughs> I have changed my tone. Mm. I have changed even the way that I look at people, my body language, my facial expression. And it starts all from there. Mm. We have this understanding. And this is a message I want to give to women, who especially not, I mean, early leaders and women. It's a message I really... if. This can go to each and every woman from this podcast. To me, this, this is the real reason why I'm here. And one is don't try to be someone you're not. Be who you are. A male and a woman, or a male and a female, they both have their qualities. We cannot imitate a different gender because that will backfire. We were born with gifts. Male were born with gifts. We should know our gift and embrace it. Be proud of it. 
because that is you're born with a leadership from within you just don't know it i believe every woman is born a leader even if she doesn't work mm -hmm. even in her own home even as just a wife she's a leader mm -hmm. and the moment she embraces the leader within her with the essence and and of 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 all the female attributes that's her strength so embrace it and and that's my advice because it took me years to get into that realization a lot of pain a lot of ups and downs a lot of failures to understand that all i had to do was to get off the hat and the facade i had in front of my face to be someone i'm not mm. and the moment i became myself i have i think i have done good to myself first and to others mm. as a leader. I was being able to influence not only my team, my peers, my different stakeholders, be it my superiors, or even the, 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 the wider organization to influence even my family, to influence my friends. I found that I have a great skill that I thought it was a weakness. I, by design, I am a strong, influential person. By design, it's I was born being a strong communicator. Mm. So why I, I took all of that away from me? I loved, I loved the gifts I have, and it was very natural. Mm. And that's why it, people felt it, and that's why I was being able to be influential. I started realizing, oh wow, I didn't know that I had that, mm. and I enjoyed it. And I'm still in that journey, by the way where I'm going more and more into that self-discovery. So, yes, in 24 years old, I was very lost mm. and very confused. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the full self-esteem to lead the way that I thought I should be leading. Mm. And yes, age was a scary fact for me. I had voices in my head telling me, you're right, no, but you know, something is going wrong. Oh, no, but, you know, it's their problem. They should be respecting you. And then there is another part that, yeah, but what if I'm not good enough? And I have had those struggles and talks in my head. Mm. But it's a journey. Mm -hmm. And I'm still going through it. Probably years from now, I'm going to come and sit down again and tell you, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a different person today and I've learned to do things differently. Mm. So... That's that. Yeah, and you're so right. There's and what this highlights to me is there's there's different types of leaders. We've seen it in mm -hmm. history, uh, but one thing that really stands out, especially mm. back then, was mm. that emotion was weakness. Mm. To show any type of emotion was weakness. <laughs> yes. And now, what I think has changed, yeah. and and please do if you agree with me or disagree, yeah. I actually think ego is weakness. Yes. It's completely done a flip on itself. Yes. If anything, if I see my leader being emotional with mm. me, I actually empathize more. I relate to the leader more. Where, where do you sit on that? You're absolutely right. Absolutely. You, you spoke about a very important matter because vulnerability is strength. And I used to hate vulnerability. And that was me at 24 years old. Because I thought, I don't want people... That was the facade I was telling you about. Oh, I don't want them to see. It's because, you know, from inside, you don't have that full capacity. You feel there's something, there is emptiness from the inside. And you're telling yourself, you know what? I don't want them to see the empty me from inside. I will show them I'm strong. And then something ugly shows up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? 
which is I'm strong all the time. I'm emotionless. I am not emotional. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is how we want people to perceive us. I have a poker face all the time. I'm not emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and this is really, this is what goes on in your head. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is strength. I have shown emotions to different people, not only my team, to my superiors. I have shown to my peers, to my team. I have allowed myself to show that when I was not in my best self or when I was not the strongest. So, yes, vulnerability is a strength. It is not a weakness. The less vulnerable you are, the higher the ego is. And definitely that that is something that you will not gain. I don't see that this will help in gaining respect. So I'll I'll give you an example. I've had leaders in my life who were... um, vulnerable so let's put it the other way around Mm -hmm. and the amount of respect i had for them the amount of loyalty even though we don't work together anymore if they pick up the phone today and they say they need something i'll make sure it gets done because i've seen the human side and nothing beats that so and i've had leaders who never showed it yes we do have a decent relationship but it ended there and it's not something that you take with you. And, and we have to really think about how does that have an impact in the workplace and also after you leave the workplace because it's, our life is not just in that box. It goes beyond that. I have stories where because we have shown vulnerability, it created changes in our personal life, even from the workplace. And so we shouldn't underestimate that. No, I'm not saying to, you know be vulnerable all the time as mm-hmm. well because that could backfire but i mean the balance is is also very very important so yes there is an art of vulnerability and i think more than ever leaders today must have it mm-hmm. to gain respect loyalty empathy and you know uh, be influential mm-hmm. which is very very important Absolutely. And I think the the art of vulnerability now leads me to the art of reading individuals. You catch me as someone who has come across many different types of personalities, characters throughout your career. <laughs> reading people, I mean, this is, I'm sure, a skill that you have probably mastered by now. And how important has that been in, in becoming the leader that you are today? I mean, I think this is something that I have. It's one of the gifts that I'm thankful for. I think my my role and my type of job has enhanced it because I meet new people all the time. Uh, it's a bit of a challenge, huh? mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why, because I'm always somebody who likes to be objective. And if I read something and there is this gut feeling, you know, that tells you that it's right, the struggle I had in the past was, no, but, you know, you want to be objective, Isra, so maybe, maybe don't trust your gut so much. What if you're wrong? What if this is past judgment that you have that is registered in your DNA and now you're placing that judgment on people? Mm. So I'm always trying to do the right thing. Uh, even, even, when, even when I was going through my transformation, in my head, it's always that I want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, I've had gut feeling about things and I've not always gone with it in the past. And that's when it came haunting me mm. later mm. because it, it just clarified that I should trust it. There is a feeling that comes in your stomach and you should trust that feeling. 
Um, and today, I trust it more than ever. If I get it, I get it. Mm. Do I take an action based on it? No, because that's unfair too. But do I allow my gut to take me to the destination to see where it goes? Yes. Mm. So I give my gut a chance to explore what my gut wants to tell me. Mm. But I don't usually take decisions based on it because I think that would be unfair and not right always. Mm. It, it should, I should, the objective side of me still is there and I'm combining it with believing my gut at the moment. So I take my gut, take the objective side, put it together in a shaker. Yeah. And then I, and that's how I, I make decisions in my life. But it has definitely helped me in making a lot of decisions in my work, uh, even in my personal life. More than ever now, being in a role that I'm in, it's a senior role where a lot of decision making mm-hmm. has to be made. Um, and it's it's critical. So if there has to be something that I should go back to other than just the facts. And so, yes, that's when I go also to my gut feeling and my sense of playing that judgment. And this decision-making as a leader, I, mm. I want everyone listening right now to mm. to understand that, you know, the people that are above you in the higher positions, mm. your managers, whatever it may be, mm. they get it wrong sometimes too, mm. right? I feel like there's this perception of, of a leader or a manager that they can do no wrong and yeah. they will never mess up. But I'm sure, I mean, all of us will have mm. stories. Is there, Has there been, and not to focus on the negative, but I just think that in a negative, you can always find a positive. Is there a standout moment for you where you felt like, I made a mistake, I made the wrong decision, mm. but you picked yourself up and recovered from it and moved on? Absolutely, every day. Mm. <laughs> every day, every day. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> when it doesn't happen, I feel like I'm in my comfort zone. Mm. And that's when I say to myself, there's something that you need to do. Do a mistake. <laughs> Jump. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do something. Because yeah. the, the, the worst thing that could happen to anyone is being in their comfort zone. And that's when you don't do mistakes. And you're siding by the wall. Mm-hmm. And mistakes should happen. I never learn without my mistakes. So the thing is that is different and and this is the difference with me. I'm a perfectionist. Well, maybe not anymore. Mm. Uh, but I thought it was a positive thing to be a perfectionist. And that's why I used to have these internal struggles as well. So I never wanted to admit that I was wrong. And because I never want to be put in a position that, you know, somebody would put, you know, or that's how I pictured it, like there is a gun in my head. Mm. If, I, if somebody would tell, would have, you know, told me that I'm wrong. I used to work day and night put pressure around me, around the people that I'm working with. Speed is very important to me. Quality is very important to me. We should be ahead. They said 60%, we'll do it 80%. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. never satisfied. No mistakes should happen. It should be flawless. And it was, the whole idea was that I don't want somebody to tell me that you did a mistake or you're late or, you know, you are within the average or the norm. I always wanted to be, you know, extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And so that wasn't the norm for others. And so that's what I did also back then is that I created pressure for the people around me. Mm. Today, I'm like, if we can't do it 60%, let's do 70. If we can't, uh, if, no, sorry, if we can't do 100%, let's do 90. If we mm-hmm. can't do 90, let's do 80. If we can't do 80, let's do 70. And you know what? 60 is also fine. Mm -hmm. And let's learn something new in the process. 
So does that mean that my expectations has changed or my uh, wanting to do things in a certain way has changed? Absolutely not. It is how we go through the process, how we perceive it, how we manage our emotions in dealing with obstacles and certain situations is what matters, is embracing the new learnings as well. And it's admitting that either I don't know how to do it or made a mistake, but I learned one, two, three. And what are the ways to moving forward mm. to manage this? I think being okay with mistakes happening is extremely crucial in success. And the more, the less mistakes you do, there is something wrong that you're doing. There is no mistakes. There are no growth. Mm. That's how it is. Mm. And so embrace all the mistakes and do as much mistakes as you can. <laughs> it's part of the journey. And it's also um, part of the experience as well. Well, I think that is an absolutely beautiful note to finish the episode on. Uh, I want to thank you so much. I mean, I feel inspired and I'm ready to go now uh, and change my life and change others as well. I I think what you do is phenomenal. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code.